0: Welcome to the Radical Christian Life with Doug and Paula.
1: We're so excited as we discuss what it looks like to live the Radical Christian Life, following Jesus no matter the call, no matter the cost.
0: Yeah, so let's get to it. This is a, this is a good
1: question we received.
0: Okay. Yeah, it is. We This is um, actually from our own area, but St. Pete, we live in Tampa, and St. Pete's just across the- Well,
1: it's across the bridge.
0: <laughs> it's across the bridge. You got across yes. the bay, and oh, uh, yeah, that's yeah. two different worlds. It's totally different <laughs> two worlds, but this is great. Um, and the question was this, why are there so many denominations of the Christian church, and what should I look for in choosing a church to live a radical Christian life? Yeah. Woo-hoo! Yeah. Yeah. Great question. So, yeah, it is.
1: And actually we get that a lot. And, uh, let's just start off with, um, if you would want to live the radical Christian life, you will be part of a church. Yes. We meet too many Christians who say, oh, "I just want to follow Jesus, but I don't go to church." And it's like, "Well, then I you love Jesus. I don't yeah. love the church." No, you don't really love Jesus, and you don't really follow Him because Jesus says, "If you love Me, you'll keep My commandments." Yeah, and, and we're
0: going to explore that in the next two weeks. Yeah, of it, talking about why the church.
1: Yeah, so which if you're, church? If you're listening to this and you don't belong to a church, um, I encourage you to keep listening. We encourage you just yeah. to think through this because you're
0: really missing yeah. out. Because
1: obviously, if you don't go to church, you think we're wrong, and maybe we. <laughs> Maybe the normal. Holy Spirit will convince you <laughs> yeah, during these podcasts. for confidence thinking yeah. we're right.
0: But. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, we often hear this, like, uh, you know, we need to go back and be in New Testament church.
1: Yeah, the churches are all compromised yeah. now. We, we just need,
0: need to go back and, yeah. and do that thing.
1: Yeah, and there's been whole movements of, you know, restoration movements and going back to the New Testament church. And it's like,
0: eh people who aren't Jews trying to become Jews, yeah. Messianic Jews, different yeah. things.
1: Yeah, because we're always trying to find something novel and like yeah. we get it, we get it but yeah. but let's be careful. Have you ever thought about the New Testament Church? I mean, do we really want to be the church in Corinth where you had a man sleeping with his stepmom? You had people getting wow. drunk at the Lord's <laughs> Supper where you had splits because some were following Peter and some were following Paul and some were following Silas. I mean, what do we mean by New Testament church? Because they had heresies in their church. Yeah. That's why some of those letters were written in the New Testament. Yeah,
0: and we're going to talk about that a yeah. little bit as we move forward. What what does it look like to have Uh, a good church yeah
1: i I heard it once and i love to say we don't want to go back to be a new testament church we want to keep moving forward to be the future bride of christ church in revelation 19 that's spotless and without wrinkle that's what we want to move toward and that's what we want to how we want to live our lives and that's what we should be doing as we serve in christ church Yeah. yeah yeah so
0: there was a former u.s senate chaplain named richard halverson and he said this the church began as a fellowship of men and women centered on Jesus Christ. It went to Greece and became a philosophy. It went to Rome and became an institution. It went to Europe and became a culture. It came to America and became an enterprise.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The- I guess that fits in with our ending of every one of our podcasts talking about the Christian industrial publishing complex, mm. marketing complex. And yeah, it's become an institution. It's become an enterprise. It's become a culture. And the church is supposed to be, you no, know, the bride of Christ, representing a kingdom that's not of this world. So that's what we want to talk about. And let's start off by just helping. Um, people understand and, and to put in the front of their minds. When you think church, you should think two churches. You should think Big C church, capital C church, and you should think of little C church. Um, mm-hmm. What do we mean by that is capital church, capital C church is the church Universal. The Bride of Christ, the church Mm. that we talk about in Papua New Guinea that's in the United States, Mm. that's in uh, the Netherlands where we're traveling to soon, to wherever in the world. The Big C Church, Mm. the universal church that all the people who follow and are born again and believe Jesus Christ are part of.
0: Yeah, and then the little c church would be our local churches. Like, what does that look like? Our denominations and um, different things like that. You know, we all have uh, it, something that comes into our mind, a vision, actually, that comes into our mind immediately when we think think church. You know, we might think cathedral. We might think our local community. We might think a house church. So when we talk big C and little c, we want you to understand a little bit about that today as we move forward, because they're... One and the same, and they're very different. Yeah. Right, Doug?
1: Yeah. Yeah, that's great. So when we talk about denominations, let's just go back. Let's do a little church history. Uh, We were talking. uh, Actually, I forced you to listen to a podcast yesterday. I'm not sure you forced me. No, but I said I would go to the store and drive all the way to the store with you. And I said, Well, if I'm going to drive, will you listen to this podcast and I'll be glad to go with you? So,
0: (laughs) men, women, so you bribed me. It's the art of compromise in marriage. Yes, yes. uh, We should. Uh, put that one in our mirror, <laughs> and it podcast. was really good by the way yes so, yeah, yes
1: it was a good podcast but it reminds us of what's going on in the culture wars right now and one of the key things of marxism and that is to erase culture i mean erase history sorry they want to get rid of the past they want to change yeah. the past for good or bad you can't change the past and we should be um, critiquing it of course but you can't erase it And uh, church history, aren't we seeing
0: that all around? Where, yeah, yeah, I mean, maybe our history wasn't great in some areas, but to say it didn't exist or to erase it, um, Mm -hmm. there was a woman on that she wasn't on the podcast, but a lot of it was her testimony of a woman who had come out of communist countries and she i I don't want to like pick on countries but yeah she had been imprisoned Uh. for her faith and her husband had been imprisoned and so she was saying like what is taking place in the u.s is a lot of what happened back in the communist countries before they took over so it was quite interesting because what we're seeing now is a repeat, in some ways, I of what's it. happened before.
1: You are so beautiful when you go down rabbit trails. I just love that. <laughs> I <laughs> did. did and it was a good one. Did, yeah, yes. and, uh, people have thousands of questions. Write us at info at ServingBB.org, and yes. we'll answer that and question. And maybe like we'll we link here.
0: the podcast below. Yeah. We'll think about that. We'll have to see. Yes. <laughs> so
1: let's, but I guess the whole thing I'm saying is, here's something that you could do on your own. I just did this about a year ago. I got a good church history book. And I put it as part of my devotions. I read the Bible, and then I was reading sections out of church history just to remind us what the saints went through and how Mm. they lived and what were their issues uh, throughout church history. And I think that's important. I think if you have children to make sure they understand church history and you discuss it and talk about it with them, because it's the faith that's been passed down through the saints to us us today. So where did denominations come from? Well... There's always been division in the church. Unfortunately, Mm. that's just a reality. If you read 1 Corinthians, some people started following Paul and some uh, Peter, and and then uh, you had these different sects called the Gnostics, and they separated, and then the churches were fighting with each other, and... Mm. Um, so there's never been like this perfect unity. And then the Roman Catholic church grew out of Rome. And that's a whole issue for those of you who are Catholic. Um, one of the strongest arguments for Catholicism is they, tra- they say uh, they trace their history back to Peter and and that. And, and we can, we'll talk about that actually in a little bit. Um, but so there's always been denominations per se, mm. but the major denominations first, first came about in 1054. Uh, It's called the Great Schism. And that's when the Mm. Eastern Church and the Western Church split. And that's where you get Roman Catholicism and you get Eastern Orthodoxy or the Eastern Orthodox Church. Mm. And that was the Great Split. And then in the 1500s, you had the Reformation, Mm. and that's where the Protestants split. And so uh, those are the three major denominations, the Roman Catholic, the Eastern Orthodox and the Protestant, and now in Protestant uh, churches they took it to next step, and let's just keep um, splitting <laughs> if you want to be <laughs> negative, or they just keep dividing, and mm-hmm. and, and uh, we want to be very careful here because there's part of us we want to go off against denominations, and there's other part of you know maybe God just doesn't like only vanilla.
0: You know, I I don't says always the man get, who loves ice cream. I do, and <laughs> yes. I don't always
1: get the same kind. I don't know if are any of you like me when you go to an ice cream store and they have like fifty flavors. Your mind overloads, and you, I stress out. And I, I don't. I want them all. I don't. I don't know which one because they sound so good, and you like different flavors. Well, maybe God likes different flavors of churches <laughs> that's a weird way of putting it but may, and, and enjoys the different ways that we worship and we'll talk about um, the difference between unity and uniformity and what churches should look like and what's really essential but mm. but I think that's important and so then you out of the Reformation you have the big ones the Anglicans the Lutherans the Presbyterians and then the Anabaptists and that's one that probably, most people don't. They know of them as Baptists, but the Anabaptists.
0: Mm. Yeah, you. will you explain that a little bit?
1: Well, the other ones are what we call high churches. You have the high mm. churches, uh, and that's the Lutherans, Presbyterians, and Anglicans. And they kept a lot, of, they try to stay as close as possible to, to the structure and formation of the Catholic Church, not Mm. in theology. That's where the split came, is in theology, and we'll Mm. talk about that. That's where divide should happen if there's a difference in theology that we believe are essentials of the faith. Mm. And that's the five solas of the Reformation. We can talk about that in another Mm. podcast. But And if you don't know that, Google it, the five solas of this Reformation. You can learn more church history on your own. Mm. But those were high churches. The low churches are You can the, find those on Pinterest too. Yes, exactly. <laughs> they don't have priests where you found priests in the Anglicans and the Lutherans. They don't do infant baptism. They did believer's baptism. Mm. And so- And that's what was called the Anabaptist movement. And that's where the Baptists come from. That's where the Mennonites come from. That's where the Amish come from. Those are the extreme forms of the Anabaptists. Mm -hmm. And I always joke, the poor Anabaptists, I mean, they weren't only being persecuted by the Catholic Church. They were being persecuted by the Protestant churches, the high Protestant churches in Mm -hmm. Switzerland and Germany and other uh, European countries. So that's a fabulous thing. And,
0: And it's a fabulous thing?
1: fabulous thing to study. Yeah, stop that. Thank you. You're always good at catching me because I always stop mid-sentence and I'm thinking my mind works a little too fast sometimes. Not correctly. I didn't say fast, okay, but sometimes correctly. Actually, let me encourage you. Instead of watching worthless movies on Netflix all the time sorry i'm just gonna call it netflix or whatever we watch amazon prime and they have a lot of worthless bad movies and how many have we turned off recently of starting it it's like this is wrong or this has got a scene we just don't need to be watching this you go on these um, platforms and just search for reformation stories or anabaptist or history of the presbyterians and Learn. You can learn. A ch- Look, there's a lot of good documentaries. Actually,
0: there's some really well-produced yeah,
1: and, documentaries yeah, on these things. And even if it's not well-produced, you can still well, learn from true. it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> And so that's a good thing to do with your time instead of watching something that's just going to make you a little bit dumber.
0: Yeah, and we, we <laughs> actually do that. Like when we say yeah. stuff like this, we don't just say stuff like we actually do that. So,
1: yeah, yes. okay, man, it's usually not the best date night movie, mm, so we try not. to watch them on non-date nights. <laughs> so, yeah. yes. Watching John huspin Gurn at the State, did is- not not lead to romance that night. (laughs) uh, No, not at all. (laughs) Okay, that's uh, interesting. Wow. But I think that was worth the podcast just to think about. Yeah. we get some of you to watch some good things and learn about church history. We should
0: know where the the history and where our faith came out of, if nothing else. We should.
1: Yeah. So let's get into some specific things we want to talk about when thinking about what kind of church you should be looking for in the radical Christian life and just thinking through denominations and... Yeah, dif- different we churches. have a
0: couple of uh, points that we would like to share with you on this that might help you kind of decide that. The first one would be unity versus uniformity. Yeah. So Jesus prayed for unity in John 17, 11, but he did not pray for uniformity um, yeah. like some of the denominations do. Yeah, and so, um,
1: yeah, I like to say it that he didn't pray not only for uniformity, he didn't pray for union either. And so, what we mean by those, mm. uniformity means, so a lot of people don't know the difference between unity, uniformity, and uh, union. So, mm. let's start with the obvious one, union. Union means just something joined together, right? Mm. You know, that was the whole thing about, you know, the Civil War. Like, keep the union, keep the individual states together. Everything's mm. together. Everything's one.
0: That's a good illustration. Well,
1: union actually becomes Ecumenic is how
0: do you say that? word? <laughs> <Ecumenid>? Yeah.
1: <laughs> Being Ecumenism. ecumenical, we'll say yeah, we'll say being <laughs> <Yes>. ecumenical. <laughs> yeah. These are your hyper I'm gonna just say it your hyper liberal non-christian quote Christian churches they call themselves Christians but they believe there's many ways to heaven they embrace mm. Buddhism and Islam and we're all leading all different roads leading to the same God and that mm. and they're just but they they trying to make everything like one and have mm. unity with people who we shouldn't have unity with mm. because there is a distinction between the church and the rest of the world and other religions because of the distinct things that we teach and we'll get into yeah. that but so that's what we don't want to be an ecumenical church that uh, accepts everything the other yeah. thing is now this is where it gets a little more controversial so if you belong to an ecumenical church that denies that like jesus is the only way or that there's mm. only one god or the essentials of the faith we'll talk about well yeah
0: or that all roads lead to god yeah, yeah, which yeah. I guess yeah yeah we're, we're pretty yeah.
1: clear of run just run get out of that church god has not called you to be that that is not his bride Okay, we'll talk more about that. And that's pretty blunt, but you need to think about that. Now, the next one's a little more fun when we talk about uniformity. And just think of the word uniform. What what are uniforms? Well, it means Mm. everybody looks the same. Everybody does it the same. And that's what some denominations, and especially if you get into the Catholic and Orthodox churches, they are uniform churches in the sense... Mm. And they've kind of, kind of come around. This is a great controversy. You want to have a great conversation. If you come (laughs) from a Catholic background, Paula, you come from a Catholic background. There are some Catholics that we've worshipped with and celebrated Christ with, and that who've accepted us. And there are some who are like, "Well, no, we're Catholic. You're not, so you aren't part of the body of Christ." Mm. And there's some kind because you know, in the Council of Trent in 1500s, the Catholic Church called Protestants. they, They used the word anathema. If you believed in salvation by faith alone, you were anathema, mean, accursed. You were not part of Christ's church, and mm. they, that, and I and they say they rescinded that at the Second um, Vatican Council in 1960s. I'm not so sure about that. I've studied and researched it. So I love to say to Catholics, it's not that I reject you. It's You, you won't accept my faith that I am a believer, and I believe in the essentials of faith that you believe in. Maybe we can talk about that. <laughs> but, but see, they want everyone to do it and look the same. You mm-hmm. have to be baptized as an infant. You have to go through the...
0: Confirmation. Confirmation.
1: You have to have first baptism, um, first communion. You, you know you, that you have to be married in a Catholic church by a priest for it to be valid. Those kind of things. That's uniformity. Everybody does it the mm. same. Now you can say that's right, <laughs> and you're going to be going like that's how it should be, and you're part of a Catholic or um, Orthodox church, and and we get that. There is a lot that we like about that and are attracted to and see the positive in that. Mm-hmm. But ultimately, that's not what Jesus prayed for. He prayed for unity. And that means being one, and being one. How? Looking the same, acting the same, saying the same words? No. Being united around the truth of the gospel, mm. and we'll talk about those things. But that's so we can do different um, expressions of worship. We can have different cultural differences, but we are united on the essentials of the faith, and that's unity. We don't look the same. That's uniformity, but we believe and we act um, the same on the on the. The Majors, not the minors. Mm, mm. We'll get into that in a, a second. So, yeah. yeah, anything you want to add to that?
0: Um, well, I think the thing that we always have to be careful of is that when we don't have unity, it creates an us versus them mentality. And in the sense of, you know, it, we're against each other. And that's one of the things that we want to celebrate in the Big C church is that we are one body if we believe in. Uh, what the gospel says and the essentials of the faith, and so we just have to be careful yeah, that's, about that because really the only split should be between believers and non-believers. Yeah,
1: exactly. So that is the danger of uniformity. Unity will say, "Okay, we can accept you. It's not us and them. It's yeah, like you said, the only division should ultimately be between believers and unbelievers. Mm-hmm. Hey, you want to worship that way? You you know, you like high church, you like formal. I remember a Guy coming out of Catholicism, he got saved, went to an evangelical church, and he said, "I was sitting in these great cathedrals, hearing, Mm -hmm. you know, songs being sung that were reaching up into heaven." I'm looking at the the artwork around there, and he goes, "Then I go to an evangelical church, and I'm praying, and I'm looking down at a foul line because we met in a school." (laughs) (laughs) He goes, "It didn't inspire worship like the cathedrals." I get that, and there's some good things, but but when you start getting into Our denomination's right and yours is wrong. Now it's become an us versus them mentality, like you said. And that's where it gets dangerous.
0: Yeah, yeah. We just got to really guard that. And the second thing we want to talk about then is the local autonomy of the church.
1: Yeah, because most of it is going to ultimately be about church polity. There's a word you don't use too often, but mm. but the politics of the church. How is it run? Is it run by a single leader? Is it run by a council of leaders or a board of elders or or that? And mm-hmm. um, but but one of the things I, I I have a little bit of a problem with, and I think you do also is and why the churches we belong to have belonged to um, we believe in the local autonomy. The church should. The local church should ultimately have say and expression in how they worship and how they do things and who's their leader.
0: Mm. Um,
1: now I know this gets controversial and that's fine. I love. I have no problems. You disagree with me as long as you know why you disagree with me. Mm. And then we have unity. If you're a believer in Jesus Christ, we have unity. But I don't want my church to be have somebody in another country appoint the leader or have somebody in another state appoint this person over us who we have no say in, mm. and uh, we'll get into reasons a little bit why that's that's important to us, but um, in New Testament times, you know, uh, I, here, here's a controversial one. I just read this the other day, and it really made me think, and if you read in Galatians chapter 2, Paul and Peter got into it, <laughs> and
0: Peter, Got rebuked. I think there were some strong personalities. Yeah, exactly.
1: Yeah, whatever that enneagram, (laughs) disc, Myers Briggs personality. Those two guys were going at it, right? And and Paul put Peter in his place. And Paul writes in Galatians chapter um, two about the 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 fight, and Peter finally then backs down, and you can see Peter accepted Paul because if you read it, the second Peter chapter three, he talks about. Peter talks about how some things Paul writes are hard to understand, but but they're biblical; <laughs> they're true. Mm, <laughs> That's, mm. So, uh, but but when they split and Paul's opposition to Peter, it's uh, it's I like this. It's heralded by Rome as Peter being the first pope, but it's important element to remember that um, the church was the, the two leaders of the church were divided on something, and Peter wasn't the winner.
0: Mm.
1: Peter wasn't right. Mm. It was Paul who was actually right. Now, I'm not putting down the Catholic Church, but I'm showing that being careful of like letting some one person somewhere else dictate what your church should do mm. or or letting a council somewhere else dictate what your church should do. Mm, you got that's 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 dangerous. That's all I want to say. Mm. It can be dangerous. It can mm. be beautiful too. Mm. but we'll we'll talk about why that could be dangerous even more.
0: Good. Um, and then number three. Um, liberalism, progressivism, and fundamentalism is a very important thing that you need to to think about when choosing a church.
1: yeah, exactly. So that's what I'm saying. So what happens if your denomination, the head you know, headquarters of your denomination, starts to go liberal? Let's just use that example first and we'll talk mm. about fundamentalism in a second. Uh, and you ha- you see this all over, especially in the West now. You'll get these councils or these leaders of this denomination start to accept, um, the LGBTQ and, and their and their priesthood and stuff. Now, mm. as soon as you say that, I'm, yes, uh, it gets controversial, right? No, we're not afraid to talk about it. The Bible is loves people, right? But it calls sin, sin. And remember, um, I just digress here. People don't like to talk about it. It makes them uncomfortable, but you have to hear the truth. It's the act of homosexuality that is a sin. So when you have a person say, well, I'm this way or that, that, that's not the issue. It's the act of committing something that God has forbid. That's, mm. that's with any sin. That's the kind of thing. So um, when you get in debate, always go back to the act. So what we want to say, though, is, but you have a, a person in a, a denomination, and they appoint over your church a gay priest mm. or a gay pastor. Are you just supposed to accept that? You know, That's where you don't have a say. And here's the thing I love about local autonomy. I'm a member of a church, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. I'm not the head pastor of our church. You're not the head pastor of our church, Mm-mm. but we can go and speak to him. Anybody in our church can go and speak to him. And What's your chances of going to one of these council meetings and, you know, they have once a year and, and voicing your opinion like, no, this is unbiblical what you mm-hmm. were deciding. And that's why you read about, it. they have big splits and it's fights. Mm-hmm. But if you're not majority... You, well,
0: and the people at the local level know how people live. Like yeah. they see people's lives.
1: Yes, yes. And so... Uh, and when paul went and appointing elders in the church paul and barnabas in acts 14 were going about appointing elders in the church the local churches leaders in the local church and i think that's so important so yeah it really um, is so that yeah, yeah. That's an now the flip side is then you can get into a fundamentalist in church and um you know they start some denominations get into you know, they're majoring on the minors, mm. and you we've experienced that in one denomination where yeah, <laughs> they, got, yeah. they were so legalistic.
0: Yeah, we had moved to England, and we were actually, Doug was in the Air Force, and so we had gone to this church, and there weren't a lot of churches back then in the 80s, and so we had gone to this church, and I had pants on because it, our stuff was being shipped over, and I little did I know that going to this church, like the women didn't wear pants. Now- we kind of laugh at that now. We look at that and, but back then, like, there were some real things that were happening in churches, like, didn't play drums, you know, <laughs> all these things that were just like, it, there was definitely a legalistic component. Um, and some of those of you who have come out of that, I know there's a lot of young people who grew up in that and they've kind of turned against that. For good reason in the sense of that is a majoring on minors. But the funny thing was, in that particular instance, we were the only new ones coming to church, and the pastor kept calling out women wearing pants from the pulpit. Yeah. It was so awkward. He wasn't going to allow
1: that liberalism in that church, <laughs> yeah. those women in their pants. Yeah, that's a, that's a, whole, <laughs> it's
0: a whole thing. But, but again, anyway. so
1: you can have that with non-denominational church. You can have non-denominational churches go liberal. You can have uh, non-denominational churches be fundamentalist, and that's not. But but you can have more of a say. You you have the people have a, a say in how their church is because, like you said, they know how it's run. They know people are.
0: Yeah, so. yeah. So so which one should we
1: join? <laughs> We're going to, let's do a second podcast because I'm looking at the time and do you want to make this a one hour podcast? No, we usually keep these at 30 minutes. So we'll do a second podcast where we'll talk about what to look for in choosing a church. I think that would be good, but, but let me just tease you with something that I was taught by one of my professors, actually a guy I admired a lot. And he used to say, um, you should look for a church that believes in one Bible, two testaments, Three creeds, the Apostles' Creed, the Nicene Creed, and the Chalcedon Creed, and four councils, the Nicaea, the Constantinople, the Ephesus, and the Chalcedon Creeds, uh, councils, and that those are what true evangelical unity is about. And, And that's good. I'll expound on those more.
0: You will need to because you literally just spoke greek to most of us (laughs) (laughs) what does that mean most people really don't even know the doctrines that their church believes so we're gonna unpack that a little bit no not right now yeah let's
1: i'm gonna unpack it for you i'm gonna unpack it but i'm gonna tell you what to google Okay, and what to go that's look up. That's great. I love Google. People are like, oh, yeah, you're so smart. No, I just want to use Google. That's all <laughs> I can do. So we believe in one Bible. Everything, if you, if your church does not stand upon the word of God, if it doesn't, I just looked at it. Actually, it's funny. Just this morning, I didn't realize this. This this morning, I just saw this new church that's opened up in our area, and this is one of the things I look for. I look to see what their doctrinal statement was and no. what they said about the Bible, and they said, we believe the Bible is the word of God without error, and I said, boom, that. I'd go to that church. I'd check it out because they believe in one. And the two testaments, they believe in one story Old Testament, New Testament, you know, one Bible. And then they believe in the three creeds the Apostles' Creed, the Nicene Creed, and the Chalcedon Creed. And these just help the early church in explaining the triune nature of our God, the deity of Jesus Christ, what we're willing to die for, what they were going Mm. to the stakes for, and those Mm. were what are the essential unities of the faith. And they explain that. The four councils. Now, if you're Orthodox or Catholic, you believe in the seven councils. Uh, but but the last three get get controversial. That's why evangelicals and well Google this. I mean, you should Google it. And I'm a write me. I love that, right, Paula. She loves to talk to you about why we believe in the first four councils, but not the last three. And if we want you don't think my wife's giving me the dust there. I love
0: (laughs) Yeah, right. That's why
1: we don't (laughs) film it. But if you don't think it's important, and you don't understand why Protestants don't venerate the saints and Catholics and Orthodox too, because mm-hmm. they say the Seventh Council did that, so it's important. So I'm not just talking nonsense here. These are important <laughs> things that you, yeah. Instead of watching a Netflix thing, you should be studying it and coming up with why you believe what you do. You know why you believe what you do. Didn't yeah. do a podcast on that? Why do you do what you do? Yes, why we do did. you believe what you believe? Yes, yeah, yeah. So is there one better than another? Um, no. We'll talk about that.
0: Well, maybe <laughs> <laughs> okay. there might be some you should stay far away from. Yes, yes. Listen actually, to the next podcast.
1: Yes, the next podcast will make <laughs> that one clear. I just realized that. Yeah, because we didn't really actually say what are the essentials no, that you have to unite didn't. around. And if they teach those essentials, then yeah, fine. Even if yeah. they, even if their music but is, but we
0: will. <laughs> like we are not going to leave you hanging. We yes. are going to talk about this because it's such a, and. Awesome thing to be able to talk about to understand your faith.
1: Yeah, Paul. But I'd like for you to close with just reminding us: uh, whatever church we go to, what is our role? What? What? Yeah. How do we look at church?
0: Um, I like to say this: is that we just don't come to church; we become the church. Ooh, and what good. does that mean? That's like good. our church says this: that you, are you a consumer or a contributor? And so you know, if you're going to church and you're sitting in the chair, the pew, whatever form you go to and are at, and you're just sitting there, that's not God's design for you. It isn't. He designed us as a body of Christ. So we encourage you, whatever you do, get involved in your local church, local church. Um, and so listen to the podcast next time. We have a great one coming as we move forward and helping you to find a great church.
1: Thanks for listening to The Radical Christian Life with Doug and Paula. I think it's at this time we're supposed to do some pitch like hit the subscribe button or donate, but we just want to say, do what you want. We trust way more in the sovereignty of God than in the Christian industrial marketing complex. You just keep living radical for Jesus, and so will we, and let's watch how he blesses us all. We'll see you next time.